0: One and all, ladies, gentlemen, animal, mineral, vegetable, everybody is welcome here on episode 160 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast, proud part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. My name is Patrick Rayhall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of wine, and the queen of the monsters, ladies and gentlemen. Ashes of a nightmare.
1: Y'all know me. You know how I earn a living. <laughs> you forgot to mention grade A Quint impersonator.
0: Oh, yes. You, you have the look, but the voice leaves something to be desired.
1: I just, I just need to chug a couple more Narragansett.
0: Yeah. So we are, of course, also joined by the hardest working man in podcasting, he of the velvet voice, johnny wolfenstein
2: i have an admission i didn't work as hard last week as i normally
0: do uh
2: do i still get that title yes okay. yes
0: because it's you know in uh, it in it's general it's overall
2: yes
3: <laughs> like
0: everybody takes time off you know i read this this uh, this jeebus book and it said that like
2: oh he rested right
0: yeah he, like he took a break he didn't work seven days in a row he's like his creating shit is hard so
1: wait wait are you telling me that i'm working harder than jesus right now
0: uh,
2: yes.
1: Yeah, take that, Jesus!
0: <laughs> oh my god. If he heard that, he'd be spinning in his grave.
2: Baby Jeebus.
0: <laughs> so we, are, we have a, uh, another special show for you. I'm just going to say that every episode, because every episode is special. Oh yes, thank Please drink my tea, because you already drank all of yours. But we are, uh, we are joined by a talented filmmaker. Uh, he is the man behind Broke Horror Fan. And uh, not too many people know this but he is a lactating contortionist ladies and gentlemen our good friend alex DiVincenzo. <laughs>
4: uh that is the best introduction i'll ever have
1: <laughs>
0: is it though is it <laughs> it's an introduction
4: <laughs> that is the most recent introduction i will have
0: yes that's fair that's fair all right alex how you Take doing it. today
4: uh i'm doing great now um
1: now how were you before
4: well Better? i heard that this is a very special episode um so that made me feel good until you said that they're all special which makes me feel average
0: if everything is special nothing is
4: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> um well we have you on today because uh you are a uh, how shall i put this casual fan of the the film jaws
4: you might say that, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, most people who have a passing interest in something generally get it inked permanently upon their body.
4: I certainly do.
0: Yes. It's like Starland Vocal Band. They suck, but the tattoo <laughs> is rad. <laughs> but, yeah, you are here to talk uh, Quint with us. And, um, and we're I'm, so excited. I was going to say, I'm amazed <laughs> it's taken us this long. like, But we've been saving Quint for you. Like, we've had some... Uh, We've tried to get you on before. We wanted to have you on for our uh, our Universal Monster show with uh, when we covered the creature from the Black Lagoon because I know you're a fan, but uh, alas, it was not meant to be. But I'm glad we got you on for Quint.
4: Yeah, me too. Uh, hopefully, worth the wait. I I think it will be. <laughs> I'm not so sure. But we'll see. But what, what we're going to we do... We appreciate
1: your enthusiasm. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> what we're I'm just trying do... to
4: make it special.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, more special. More special than it already is. It's not every day that we have a lactating contortionist on, though. <laughs> um, so what we like to do is we like to do a little thing called getting into character, where we ask you a few random questions to help the folks at home get to know you and, uh, you know, help us get to know you a little better. But... uh I generally don't do this, but I am going to uh, repeat a question from last week because it brought about some interesting conversation. Alex, do you consider a hot dog to be a sandwich?
4: Oh, man. I didn't know you were going to start with the hard ones. Um, I'm going to say no.
0: Do you have a specific reason why that you feel this way? or
4: uh, Because it's a bun, not bread, and they're like connected. If it was too... Two halves of a, I might consider a hamburger a sandwich But not a hot dog
0: Okay, that's fair
1: So If you got stuck in an elevator And you were forced to listen to one song On repeat What song would it be?
4: Um, I'd probably cheat and pick Like the longest song That's still kind of good that I could find That's fine But a less practical answer. My favorite song is Josie by Blink-182.
0: Okay. You can dig that. I mean, I tend to, when I find a song that I like, I will listen to it on repeat over and over and over again. So I'm, you know, I would be fine listening to, as long as it was a song I liked. And it could yeah. be a lot. So my question for you is, what is your favorite adult beverage?
4: Um, I do not Partake in adult beverages. I am a water with lemon guy. Really?
0: No, uh, you know, like, I'm going to have a milkshake made up of half a gallon of ice cream and an entire bottle of Hershey syrup? <laughs>
4: um, I'm not sure how adult people might consider that, but I could go for that. Okay.
0: I mean, that's. are you allowed to do that as a child? <laughs>
4: uh, I'd be more apt to do it as a child, I think. Right, but, but,
0: you, but as an adult, see, you have... <laughs> the means to do that
1: yeah but as an adult i'm more concerned about the diabetes
0: Uh, right right (laughs) hey if you can't diabetum dia join them so (laughs) all right you know if you're just a water lemon guy but i mean if you were to make a so i'll change that too if you were to create your own milkshake like what would you what would you put on in there as as much as uh (laughs) as much as you would like
4: um i'm a big fan of like weird flavors but if it was like if this is like i was gonna make like like, ham (laughs) yes like ham uh no like just in general i'm a big i'm a big weird food guy like whatever i can find like the the oreos that are like come out every two weeks now i'll Mm -hmm. always try them they get me every time um but if i was gonna make myself like a milkshake i'd probably go like a regular chocolate maybe throw some peanut butter in there
0: Oh, that's not that's not weird like there's literally hundreds <laughs> of candies like yeah, I like to be experimental I mixed peanut butter and
4: chocolate <laughs> no no that was so that's a preamble and then I said but <laughs>
0: now well what would be what would be what's an experimental flavor like wasabi and salmon uh, like names name some like outrageous foods that you've tried
4: God okay so th- this is hard especially because uh, it's a podcast and you have to like Go pause it or whatever. But on my Twitter, I have an ongoing um, thread. Weekends are for weird food. And just every weekend, I'll tweet whatever weird food I'm eating um, at Alex's Legend on Twitter if you want to go find it.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll provide some links.
4: Um, I'm going to pull it up right now and see what the last weird thing I ate was because now I don't remember.
0: See, I put you on the spot and that <laughs> kind of threw you off.
4: Okay, so this past weekend, I had um, strawberry smoothie-filled Twizzlers.
0: Ooh. That's interesting. Which were
4: actually pretty good. And uh, the new Coke that they released for stranger things.
0: Is it uh, is it any good?
4: Um, no, I mean I wasn't alive for the original new Coke. Um, but it was decent enough. It tastes more pe- more like Pepsi than Coke, and I not a big soda drinker, but I think I prefer Pepsi to Coke, so I mean I enjoyed it.
0: Okay. So
1: in your opinion, what is the worst movie sequel ever made?
4: Oh, um, objectively, probably Troll 2, but I I love it because it's so bad.
0: Like, if you're going to call your movie Troll 2, maybe throw a
4: troll in it. (laughs) Or two. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they're all goblins. (laughs) What a twist. It was a subversion of expectations, you know, nobody saw it coming.
0: That's true. That's true. You go to, you know, you go to a movie called Troll 2, you expect there to be a troll in there. (laughs) <laughs> all right so your your final question and uh i'm hoping we didn't ask you this ever at any point but um who is your ideal person to meet at a convention like if you can meet anyone like ever like they don't have to um, still be alive
4: okay yeah that was gonna be our next question probably west craven Ooh, um both nightmare and elm street and scream were very influential in me not only getting into horror films but also into filmmaking uh and didn't get a chance to meet him while he was alive by all accounts he was just an amazing guy um super soft-spoken and sweetheart so i would love to sit down and talk to him
0: awesome i think that's it you don't have any other questions do you no okay so i think uh that's that's good we get to learn some new stuff about you alex and uh
1: well, before we head to break, why don't you tell us about Broke Horror Fan, what it is, and oh, what you do?
4: Okay, I would love to do that. Um, so, BrokeHorrorFan.com. It's a website I started, I think, five years ago now. Um, I'd spent some time writing for other horror websites, and I kind of got tired of being stuck in the 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 web of just kind of everyone copied everybody else's news. Um, and I don't know, I mean, there's there's value to to that, to putting your own spin on it. But I don't know, I just kind of got tired of it, and there was very little to no pay in it. So I was like, if I'm going to do it for free, I kind of want to do it on my own terms. Uh, but I wanted my own, my own niche, my own hook. So I came up with Broke Horror Fan because I am a Broke Horror Fan. And the purpose of the site is kind of just to highlight all the cool horror merchandise out there that you probably want but can't necessarily afford. Um, We post everything, you know, posters, T-shirts, Blu-rays, toys, whatever. Most of it, like, officially licensed stuff, but occasionally some, uh, you know, gray area, under the radar bootleg stuff. Um, We also do, like, you know, some standard interviews, reviews, stuff like that. But predominantly just just, a showcase of all the cool stuff out there. And recently, um, a year ago, in fact, exactly a year ago this week, we launched a line of VHS. We're we're releasing modern horror movies on VHS, fully functional, um, you know, cropped to full screen VHS. We have like, uh, I think, six or seven titles. We've released a few of them are sold out. Um, And we have a lot of cool titles coming up uh, through the end of the year that we're really excited about.
0: Yeah, you... uh when you were at ScareCon, you had uh, you had a couple. Why don't you tell the folks what you had for that?
4: Yeah, so for ScareCon, we had Terrifier, which has been one of our top draws. That and uh, Victor Crowley, which was our first release, uh, were, were two huge scores for us. Um, Terrifier, we've done two runs. They both sold out almost immediately. Um, I'll say here first that it's... Not the last scene of Terrifier. We might have something coming in October. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was really cool because the director Damien Leone and David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, were there in person. Um, and I had interacted with them online a lot because they were very involved in our release, but had never met them. So it was very cool to kind of put a, put a name to the face, uh, excuse me, a face to the name, and give them their copies and. Damien signed some for fans, which is really cool to see. Plus, I got a picture of David in in his art costume, which mm-hmm. was really amazing to see. I know you guys talked about it on the ScareCon episode, but I couldn't believe how committed he was to it.
1: Oh, yeah. It was it was probably one of my favorite things of that weekend was just sitting there watching him and do something different, like a different interaction with every fan that he took a picture with.
4: Yes, exactly. He really made it worthwhile without ever saying a word. Yeah. yeah.
0: I was going to say, and, uh, we got to see... Because uh, you introduced me to him, and uh, we got to see one of his uh, specialties is his uh, his impressions that he does. We got to see his Don Knotts uh, Barney Fife impressions <laughs>
4: and it was it was really good.
0: It was spot on. It was <laughs> awesome.
4: It's funny because he's he has a background in in being a mime mm-hmm. mimeurie. I don't know what the word for that is mimicry.
0: Uh, um, mime- cr- mimecraft. <laughs>
4: Minecraft, yes. <laughs> um, so he's he's amazing—not the clown, but he's silent. But when you see him in person, he's he's just like this spitfire of energy, and does all these voices, and he has a he has a background in musicals as, as well. So, I don't know, he's he's a man of many talents, and I can't wait to see what they do with the sequel. And I mean, I'm hoping we can do the sequel on VHS as well because the first one is done very well for us.
0: Yeah, and uh, they did a Kickstarter for that uh, for Terrifier two and. They passed their goal in just, like, a few hours. Like, yeah, the, it's the, the, the
4: fan base is, is very rabid. Um, I think it's still going. It's on Indiegogo. If you look up Terrifier 2 crowdfunding, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, we posted
0: but, links.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. It, it's it's way over their goal, but every cent counts. They're mm-hmm. now going to have a mystery horror icon in there with, with the extra money that they raise, not to mention all the crazy effects that Damien does. Uh-huh. I'm really excited to see where it goes.
0: Yeah, some of the... Uh, some of the perks that were on there that sold out really quickly were, you know, like get killed by Art in the movie. Like, those were gone moments in.
4: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, I'm not surprised they went that fast.
1: I mean, I would, I would totally let Art the Clown saw me in half. <laughs>
0: That's, that was a high. I still can't get over the fact that that was a high quality saw blade. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's really impressive.
1: But another thing that Broke Horror Fan does that I love is not only do you do giveaways uh, of some great prize packs, but the free screenings that you do in the Boston area. And I swear to God, one of these days we're going to make it out to one. Um,
4: <laughs> yes, please, please. If there's one you can make it out to, I'll try to reserve you guys some seats. But yeah, I would love to plug that real quick. If, if I'm sure please. a lot of your listeners are are in the New England area. So for most, or I shouldn't say most, but many um, of the wide-released horror films, uh, we team up with like a local publicity firm who teams up with the studio uh, to promote their films at advanced screenings. Usually in, in Boston, we occasionally do uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and Providence as well, but predominantly Boston. Um, it's a really cool opportunity. You get to see the movie free, usually like a week before the actual release, um, you know, doesn't you don't have to do anything it doesn't cost you anything if you if you like it tweet about it if not you can warn your friends not to go see it uh but it's been really cool to to not only see the movies in advance but also just like the the communal experience of going to it's almost like a mini premiere because everyone's so excited to see because i mean we've done some big ones we did the new godzilla which was a lot of yep. fun uh we did us which is really cool uh, basically any like anticipated movie that i've Crawl. Wanted to see, I could end up seeing a week early. We actually didn't do crawl, unfortunately. They did well, not screen it.
0: You have the critics. crawl uh, prize but, pack but
4: yes, we're currently yes. It, uh, no, by the time this airs, it'll be over, I think. But we are giving away uh, Fandango money towards crawl, and they sent me a like five-pound bag of gummy alligators. So I've oh now my eaten God. my body weight in alligators. <laughs> nice.
0: All right, so this is a good place to take a quick break. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we will uh, get into some uh, quintessential discussion. Oh,
1: I see what you did there.
4: A quinterview.
0: Yes.
1: It's going to be awesome.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) And we will be right back
1: Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Ephes for Family.
0: And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast.
2: Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too. And Deadly Serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary.
0: For those of you who are unfamiliar with that, that is the Ice Nine Kills song Rocking the Boat featuring Jeremy Schwartz off their album The Silver Scream, Uh, and uh, that whole album, everything is about uh, a different movie, and this particular one is about Jaws, and it might be my favorite one. I remember when when they were slowly releasing tracks off of this. I came running over to you in the lab, and I was like, "Ice Nine Kills has a jaws song."
1: He said it. He sounded just like that too.
0: <laughs> I was so excited.
1: So. Like heavy breathing involved.
0: Yes.
2: <gasps> oh my god, you guys!
0: And, uh, there might have been some cookies and cream involved for those of you who uh, caught last week's episode. You'll know what that means. Um, so, I guess where where we should start uh, with you, Alex, is. When did you first see this iconic masterpiece?
4: Um, I actually wish I had a better recollection of it. Um, My brother, who's three years older than me, I think taped several of them, possibly all four. Like, you know, made copies of a neighbor who had them on VHS. Um, And he used to watch them, which is funny because he to this day, doesn't watch horror movies, is too scared to watch them. But uh, I don't know, something about, you know, Monster Movie as a kid, I guess he was attracted to Jaws. Plus, yeah. we like I said, we had a neighbor who was, like, cool and liked them. Um, so as a kid, like, I had seen bits and pieces of all of them, if not, you know, the entire movie at various times, but kind of didn't know which one was which until I started getting into horror movies as, like, a teenager and actually sat down and watched the original And like, I, you know, I obviously knew most of the iconic moments, but hadn't seen them at least in, didn't have a full memory of seeing them in its entirety. Um, And I just, from the first viewing, that first viewing as a teenager, I was just blown away. I mean, it works on so many levels as, as a pure horror film, as, as an adventure, um, the effects, the score, the direction. uh, To me, it's the perfect movie.
0: Yeah, I can, I can uh, agree with that. Ashes, how about you?
4: So,
1: kind of like Alex, I don't really have much of a of a recollection of like my first viewing. Um, I grew up with it. Uh, my dad was a fan, so I had seen bits and pieces of it, but never really paid much attention to it. Um, it, it just it just didn't pique my interest at the time. It wasn't until I want to say probably high school, college that I. I watched it in its entirety for the first time, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is pretty good. Like, I, I like this. There's some good, some good action, some good great gore. You know, practical mm-hmm. effects, which you know, huge fan of." Um, but it really wasn't until you and I, Patsy, started dating, and you were like, "I love this film so much. I love sharks. Sharks are amazing." Mm-hmm. That I started to watch it with more of a I'm trying to think of that. like like, I, I really gave it the time of day. I, I kind of like sat down and watched it with more of a like a like a, sh- a keener eye and and gained a an appra- it's now one of my favorite films. Like I you know definitely gained a lot of appreciation for it, especially for the character we are talking about today, who I dressed up as for Halloween. last Halloween. Yes, <laughs> which was awesome.
0: So when I first saw it, I remember. Um, and the memory pops into my head every time we watch the the Quint death scene. Oh, spoilers! Um, every time <laughs> Quint <laughs> dies. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wasn't he the shack? <laughs> uh, every time. Oh, what? <laughs> oh I, we're gonna talk about that guy. Oh, uh, thank God. The, uh, you know, because I watched it at a very young age. You know, I watched it with my parents, and they were putting putting things into context for me because you know we had uh, you know as I've told the story many times on the show we wore out a VHS copy of uh, of the making of Thriller so horror like we weren't as kids scared by horror movies so much because like watching that we got to see all the behind the scenes stuff and how they made it so we could understand that this isn't real this is a movie this is just you know this is how they did it with the special effects and so, you know, I would ask him, I'm like, well, how'd they do this? How'd they do that? And, you know, talking about, she's like, oh, he's got blood capsules in his mouth. Or they're, you know, they're using a pump to pump the blood or, you know. So I, I've been watching this movie since I was probably four or five years old. Um, when the Jaws The Revenge came out, you know, we went to the video store and we got that and we watched it. Um, you know, I remember my parents, there's a picture somewhere in my parents' house of... uh my parents and some aunts and uncles and friends, all with 3D glasses on, watching uh, Lou Gossett Jr. in Jaws 3D. <laughs> and um, so I've I've been watching this forever, and I think this, you know, like Alex, you were saying, this kind of contributed to your love of horror. You know, for me, it contributed to my love of you know oceanography and, and studying all the animals that dwell within it. Uh, especially sharks obviously but,
4: but yeah so now you, go ahead uh i was just gonna say you mentioned you know being familiar with with how the effects works and stuff but did you still or for both of you did, were you scared by it because i remember like i said i i don't remember watching the movie in full but i remember and this just shows you you know how dumb kids are or at least how dumb i was as a kid um we had an above ground pool and I remember after seeing like clips from Jaws being scared to go in the pool because somehow a shark might come in through the filter or something.
0: Well, I remember my brother being scared cuz we used to go, you know, we have uh my my aunt lives at the Cape and we would always be at the beach. You know, we'd always go up to, you know, Hampton Beach and stuff like that when we were kids. So uh it bothered him for a while. It never really bothered me. I mean, there was There's the I understand where this, you know, that this is fake and I understand that this is, you know, these are actors and this is a mechanical prop. But there's still that shock factor, you know, between the the sound effects and the screaming and the blood when the shark chomps down on somebody like. Like there are real reactions, you know, Chrissy Watkins at the beginning of the film is terrified Oh, yeah. And you don't see what's going on. You just see her bloop right underneath and then it's all quiet.
1: I'm sorry. What was that?
0: Bloop. Okay. (laughs) That's uh, exactly how it sounded.
1: I think it's something that I'm it scares me more as an adult than it did as a as a kid. Uh, Again, because I didn't really watch it much as a as a child. Um, But I allow myself as an adult to really get wrapped up in the story and even though I mean I know it's just a movie, it's not real. They're just actors. Uh, when you allow yourself to kind of get you know just just kind of taken away by the film, like it's terrifying. And it's like all these guys are doing are just trying to. They're just trying to do their job. People are just trying to swim.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: and the, the shark is literally hunting people. Yeah,
0: but well, that's what he does.
1: Right, but you know, it's it's and, and then
0: and see, this he, is. No, go ahead. This is the thing that kind of you know contributes to the fear of these these animals. They're not inherently bad or evil. They are just out there to survive, which is why there's a there's a shark problem on Cape Cod where we go every year. Mm -hmm. There's a huge shark problem because there's a million seals and the sharks are just following the food source. But people are like, "Oh, we have to get rid of the we have to get rid of the sharks. Let's hunt the sharks. Let's kill the sharks. Let's get rid of the sharks." It's like, "No, get rid of the goddamn seals and you won't have a shark problem." But people are like, "Oh, but the seals are cute. Oh, look at him. He's like a little water puppy." It's like, "No, get rid of that asshole and there'll be no more sharks."
1: Did you really just call a seal an asshole? Yeah.
0: As a group. I know I <laughs> I understand that, you know, people might think I'm prejudiced against pinnipeds, but no, just these particular ones. Like, just because an animal is, is cute and adorable doesn't mean it's not going to fucking kill you. Like, seals bite people. We we saw the seals right, at the beach. These things are like 800 pounds. They're fucking huge.
1: Right, but like in this film, this shark clearly had some sort of vendetta against the people of Amity and, you know, but, but that's not... No, it not... was a
0: food source. Like, they didn't... Yeah,
1: but that's not... That's very uncharacteristic of, of no, the shark's not. behavior.
0: No, it's not, because it's based on a true story. This actually happened in, what was it, Alex? Uh, 1912, 1916, something like that, on the Jersey Shore?
4: It was something like yeah. It was, a, it was a real story that inspired the novel, yeah.
0: I mean, we see in the later movies that... The entire shark bloodline has, like, some sort <laughs> of, like, murder boner for the, the Brody family, which, that's a little ridiculous. But, you know, we're getting too far off. We're, we're talking about the shark. <laughs> we need to talk about Quint, Quint and who he is.
1: Quint, probably one of the greatest characters ever
0: portrayed. You could, you could, if there's a villain in this story, you could make the argument that Quint is a villain, especially in the latter stages of the film.
1: Quint is a perfect angel. I have no idea what you're talking I about. I mean,
0: Larry <laughs> Vaughn is obviously the, the real
4: villain. But
0: uh, towards the end... Quint He definitely
4: is... antagonizes Super.
0: Oh, well, they oh. hated each other in real life. Like, yeah. <laughs> Robert Shaw absolutely... My favorite thing about Robert Shaw, as soon as they finished filming, he, like, fled to Canada because he had, like, this huge tax debt that he was going to go to jail for. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not see that in your notes? No. Yeah. This is
1: news to me. As
0: soon as he finished filming, he was like, I'm out. And he fled the country because the IRS was going to, like, seize all of his assets and arrest him. Because he didn't pay his taxes, so he just flew to a country without extradition laws.
1: Oh my God, I love him even more.
0: <laughs> so, talk about talk about your your because uh, you have a ton of notes.
1: Well, I mean, we could start off by saying who he is. His
0: full name. His
1: full name is Bartholomew Marion Quint.
0: <laughs> his middle name is Marion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um yeah, tell tell that to him. He he would he'd kill you.
0: Well that's that's from the Simpsons. Did you know Fat Tony's middle name was Marion?
1: <laughs> everything everything just goes back to the Simpsons. Um so he is a grizzled shark hunter who once resided on the island of Amity in the shanty seaside port of Mineshma. Me, <laughs>
0: Menemsha. Menemsha. M-E-N-E-M-S-H-A.
1: I think he's the one who really just makes this film. You you can make an argument that, you know, Brody makes the film, you can make an argument that Hoover no, makes Quint, the film. Quint's the best but character Quint, other than know, Bruce. And what's great is that Quint isn't introduced until almost halfway through the film.
0: Yeah, at least a third of the way through.
1: You know? And then he just steals the show. He's very he's very swarthy, like you said. Um
0: His knowing look, when they have the... Because I want to talk about this part, because Alex brought it up. When they have the tiger shark at the beginning, and Quint's just on his boat, kind of looking at him, smiling like, you fuckers, you didn't (laughs) get the right shark. And I know it because I'm Quint. Like, he knows something. Like, he's got a sixth fish sense, like Aquaman. But, yeah, getting back to that guy, Alex, when they catch it, he's like, what kind of shark is this? And Hooper's like, it's a tiger shark. He's like...
4: Oh, what? <laughs>
0: yes. But then, like, two seconds later, it's like, why don't you stick your head in there, pal, and we'll see if it's a Mian-eater. It's like, <laughs> it's the weirdest.
4: That's what you of- get when you hire locals instead of professional actors.
0: Because <laughs> it's it's the weirdest, like, vocal shift I've ever seen <laughs> outside of The Exorcist. Oh, <laughs> what? And then he, like, turns into, like, full-fledged, like, townie mode. <laughs> Yeah that guy, that guy always it always threw me off that he was like tiger shark. What? He didn't use the scientific name. He used two words
4: which pretty much everybody is familiar with. Tiger and shark. But how could shark. it be a tiger and a shark? We caught it in the water.
0: It doesn't have whiskers. Did you were you thinking of a catfish? them has got whiskers. <laughs> this isn't a catfish, mister.
4: It is. I mean, it's it's far and away the worst line reading in the movie. But like, also because everyone else is so good in that movie, it really sticks out.
0: Oh, it does. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if you have it in your notes, but the guy who brings Hooper to the island seems like he could be a blood relative of Quint. The same guy that's talking about, you know, when when everybody's going out to get the reward, and like that scene where Hooper gets introduced. And you got, you know, the guys trying to fish with dynamite and the other guys sending out, uh, doing the chumming and everything. Guy's standing there that's like, is like, oh, when they get torn up and tear out the bottom of their boats on those rocks, they'll wish their fathers never met their mothers. Yeah. That guy seems like he could either be Quint's brother or best friend. Maybe both. <laughs> I don't know. I think his Quint's best friend might be that weird zombified Igor guy that follows him around <laughs> that like never speaks, just follows him like a puppy.
3: It's supposed to
4: be like his first mate. And I think there's a deleted scene where he quits because he doesn't want to go on the shark expedition, but they cut it for timing or whatever. Yeah, so now he's, he's just this weird, silent uh, slave. Basically, yeah, he, he shows
0: up at, a, at like the town meeting and then you never see him again.
1: But let's talk about that town meeting for a minute because that's how you meet Quint for the first time, at the meeting, and it's so like a, a, iconic his the, the nails on the chalkboard to get everyone's attention at this crowd, you know, th- this meeting that people are just going crazy.
0: And that line, like, you know, I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Like, such a good line.
4: It's so everything about that scene just grabs your attention. Um I did you mentioned timing earlier. I did uh note to the times when I was watching. He doesn't show up until more than twenty minutes into the movie is that scene. Um then you see him um like you said in the Tiger Shark scene, like in the background basically, like he has one close up of him like laughing at people. But then you basically don't see him for forty five minutes. He doesn't show up again till after the movie's halfway over when they actually go out for the shark which is crazy to think cuz he's technically, you know, he's a supporting role but he feels like a main character.
0: Yeah, like when you when you talk about like the most iconic characters, the first person people talk about is Quint and I think it's because Robert Shaw just had that type of presence on screen where not only was his character overpowering, but I think he was overpowering.
4: Yeah, he had the screen presence for sure. I do want to mention speaking of the the nails on the chalkboard scene. It's weird that he drew a picture of a shark on that chalkboard and, like, no one noticed or said anything.
0: Yeah. Did he draw that or did someone else draw? I thought that was already there.
4: Oh, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I always just assumed he drew it because he's just sitting there right in front of it. But I guess somebody else could have. Right, we've got I'll, a few
0: I'll... minutes before the meeting starts. Yeah. I guess I'll get to doodling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out of crackers. <laughs> oh, wait, I found one in my pocket.
4: Even if it was just some Amity townsperson, it's weird that someone was like, all right, here's what we're looking for, artist rendering of a shark.
0: <laughs> Not to scale, because there's like a little stick figure in his mouth. <laughs> we don't know how big this thing is, but it's like, oh, is this is the, this is the picture that's going to be in the paper of the attack on Alex Kittner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what really drives the film, though, is Quint's obsession with sharks, and you really don't realize why he has this obsession until they're on the orca uh, out hunting Bruce. We, we know his name now. My name
3: is Bruce.
1: Um, and he's giving his spiel about the USS Indianapolis during uh, World War II.
0: We're not going to call that a spiel. That's a speech. That is a, <laughs> that is a soliloquy.
4: That and is like, perhaps the greatest monologue of all time. Yes.
0: And
1: it was all improv. And he was blackout drunk
3: during that
4: scene. <laughs> uh, I have some, I have some notes on that too. Yes. So, if, if you don't mind, no, no ahead. Um, so that that speech is not in the book. Um, I believe the USS Indianapolis wasn't even. Um, it was like, what's the what's the word? Confidential information, and then it was made public between the publication of the book and the the movie.
0: Well, there, you know, um, in the book, you don't get much backstory on Quint, anyways.
4: That's true. That's true. Uh, but it was originally the idea of Howard Sackler, who did an uncredited rewrite on the script um, to to give Quint that little moment. And I, I believe Howard Sackler went on to write Jaws 2, or was someone involved in it. But anyway, Spielberg liked it and wanted more, so he asked um, uh, John Milius to expand it, and he made it into like this way too long, nine-page like diatribe, basically. And then Shaw, who's like also in addition to being a, in a amazing accomplished actor is also a playwright. And he kind of edited it down to his final form, which was somewhere in the middle in terms of length. And then he got drunk and kind of just riffed on it.
0: All right. So I, I didn't know all of that backstory. This is why we invite experts on. So go ahead, Ashes. I know you got a lot more to go with.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say, so like the story is that he served aboard the USS Indianapolis during world war II in which he and his shipmates delivered the Hiroshima bomb. A Japanese submarine sank the Indianapolis, and the 1,200 crewmen ended up in the water as prey for sharks as they drifted alone at sea. Quint was one of only 300-plus men to survive the event. Following Quint's return from the war in the Pacific, Quint decided to make shark fishing his sole purpose and opened a charter fishing business on the summer resort island of Amity.
0: Yeah, and you know, for people who aren't aware... That is a real thing that actually happened. Like when it got torpedoed, um, it, it sank in like 11 or 12 minutes. So there really wasn't any time to, you know, send out a distress signal. And because it was a top secret mission, like they were delivering the bomb to the base where the Enola Gay would then take the bomb and drop it on Hiroshima. So nobody knew about this. So no one was looking for them. So that you know that whole story of them being in the water, waiting for rescue, and just being swarmed with sharks like that happened. That's a real thing. So I just I just want to make sure people are aware of this because it's not just like a really cool story that someone wrote for the movie. Obviously, Quint is a fictional character, but the the uh, events that he is referencing happened. So that's. I just wanted to say that.
3: I
1: also just want to point out that Quint makes his own moonshine.
0: <laughs> Don't <and> drink that.
1: <laughs> his, his apricot apricot brandy that he's super proud of. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: he because is, because
1: that's the that's the here's to swimming with bow legged women scene.
0: Yes, yeah, when he gives them the uh,
1: the, the the shot, the
0: shot, and he dr- and Brody drinks it and. Hooper's about to, and Brody's like, don't drink that.
1: Because Brody drinks it and then spits it out when Quint turns around. It's
0: probably like drinking lighter fluid.
1: I used to drink that in college. Lighter fluid? Pretty much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I made this. I make sangria in the turlet. (laughs) Um, His his disdain for Hooper, I mean, it's a lot deeper... Because again, you know, Robert Shaw and, and Richard Dreyfus did not care for one another. You know, and it's funny because Quint is so disdainful of Hooper. He's like, oh, you think you're so much better than everybody? Oh, because you're rich, you know, you're a rich city boy, rich college boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he spends the entire time trying to show Hooper he's like, oh, I'm so much better than you. But, like, gets pissed just for the very notion that he perceives Hooper thinks he's better than everyone. Where in the book, yeah, Hooper's a royal asshole. Hooper's, like, you know, typical, you know, how Quint perceives him in the film. But he's very, you know, standoffish and meek. Like, he tries to stand up to Quint, but it's, it's kind of funny. There's the scene with Brody and his son, Sean, like making faces at each other and Sean's mimicking everything that Brody does. That scene, and I never thought about it till last night. That scene is very reminiscent of, you know, the first day out on the Orca where Quint pounds the Narragansett and crushes a can, looks over at Hooper and Hooper finishes his cup of water and crumbles up the paper cup. (laughs)
4: <laughs> I never thought about that. That's a good, a nice little parallel.
0: I, like I said, I never thought about it till, well, you know, last night and just now thinking about it. It's like holy shit! Like he's he's trying to show. I, I don't know. Like he tries to teach him, but at the same, t- he's so condescending about it. Uh. But I think, you know, if you if you've read the book, uh, Alex, have you read the book? I have. OK, so then, you know, that, you know, Quint is a lot less, you know, arrogant in your face because he rarely speaks. He rarely has like any dialogue in the book. Yeah. And he's more, you know, the the shark to him, this particular shark is, a, is an obsession, like you were saying, Ashes this is what his business is since surviving personal right since his business is personal since surviving the USS Indianapolis and the shark infested waters. After that, he has made it his mission to kill as many sharks as possible to avenge his, his friends. That's movie Quint. Uh, book Quint is more, you know, kind of just swarthy sea captain, but he's clearly modeled after captain Ahab. And in the book, that's how he dies he doesn't get eaten like he does in the film he's his foot gets tangled up in a harpoon rope and he's drowned exactly the way captain ahab is killed by moby dick so there's a lot of parallels to that
4: oh i got another fun fact for you on that note Oh yes yes um so spielberg wrote a draft of the jaws script uh in which quint was introduced watching moby dick in a theater and like laughing his way through it then everyone gets like mad and leaves and he just keeps laughing uh, but they couldn't get the rights to the movie.
0: Oh, see that would have.
4: See that uh, that
0: might have been a little too on the nose.
4: Yeah, I was just gonna say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> like the parallels are obvious enough. You don't need to kind of throw your throw it in your face.
0: Right. You don't need to hammer it home. Like, you know, I like when you have um, some some exposition, but it's presented in a way like you know the the Indianapolis speech. Like, that's a whole ton of information. That's basically him saying. I hate sharks because sharks killed my friends and, you know, my goal in life is to kill as many as I can. Here's why, you know, but instead you have this moving, stirring speech that provides all the exposition you need. But you've already seen, you know, his home, you know, and he's boiling a shark jaw as, you know, we first get to see the inside of his house. And it's just decorated.
1: Right. But it kind of puts things into perspective when he gives his his speech. You know, you just think that he's this crazy, wacky fisherman character, you know, which you see because Amity is is, it's the cape. You know, you see in these these fisherman towns. Um, you know, and he, he makes his own moonshine and he uh, has his own whale oil business on the side. You know, it's just just very stereotypical. He's unkempt. He doesn't really care what other people think of him. He does his job. But he, he does. He also he doesn't
0: associate with the other guys.
1: Right. But he, you know, and, and then when he gives a speech, it just puts everything into perspective. It's like, oh, there's a little more depth to him. He's just not doing it because this is what he was bred to do. You know, which a lot of people in those fishermen town do. It's like I'm a fisherman. My dad was a fisherman. His dad was a fisherman. You know, it's 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 deeper than that. He you know experienced some real personal like grief stricken moments, and as a result, this is what he's become. You know, he's he's kind of a he's, he's kind of a recluse almost. You know, he doesn't really associate with the other people in town unless it benefits him like being at the town meeting. Right. You know, knowing that he could make some money off of this, like I'll do it for you, but you're going to pay me.
0: Right. It is like, you know, you, for three thousand dollars, you're opening yourself up to all these fucking Yahoo's. Trying to fish with dynamite, you know, you got six guys on a on a boat that's designed for three, and you know, you see this huge like just like cluster of boats, like all in the same area, or the two dipshits that try to catch the 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 shark by throwing the the wife's roast into the water. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get for three thousand yeah. dollars, but for ten, you get quint, like that's like that's the difference between him and everybody all these other guys because every one of these people on this island like that's what they do they've been fishing they all have their boats you know you know again I, I go back to that speech that the the guy had talking about all these guys coming up from New Jersey and Rhode Island and Connecticut and New York you know like they don't realize that you know once you get to this particular point on the water like there's a, a underwater uh, outcropping of rocks that will rip your boat apart if you're not careful. They're just like, I'm gonna go catch the shack! And
1: one scene that I do want to point out, it actually uh, is before, it's before the, the the speech scene. It's when they are sitting, it's, it's Quint and it's Hooper, and they're comparing Scars. Yes. And I love that scene so much because it's like, you know, you you've seen the tension between the two. You've seen them you know, almost like try to best each other, and I that's that's s- what they were doing. They at the still table. are, yeah, right. But that's what they were doing. But they almost found this this kind of a, a
0: camaraderie, camaraderie yeah.
1: You know, in comparing scars and Hooper, you know, comparing the scars. He's from like, hey, his, I was bitten by like, a
0: moray eel, right, you know, a bull shark.
1: What he w- when he was out doing his research and stuff, where you know Quint was attacked trying to.
0: Arm Killed, wrestle.
1: Yeah, kill sharks <laughs> and stuff. You know? Well,
0: no, he, he only had one, one, uh, one of his things was from, because um, he talked about uh, getting knocked on the head at St. Paddy's Day in Boston. Mm-hmm. He talked about tearing his arm up, arm wrestling. And then the, at the end, he's like, yeah, I, Thresher's tail got me. But everything that Hooper had, except for uh, Mary Ellen Moffat breaking his heart, <laughs> Everything that Hooper had was, you know, dangerous underwater research. Like, a moray eel is no joke. These things are, like, six feet long, you know, and then a bull shark. Bull sharks can swim in uh, freshwater, and they are known, uh, especially in India, they swim up the Ganges and, uh, yeah, the Ganges River. I was going to say Tigris and Euphrates, but that's in Iraq. Um, The Ganges River, because part of, uh, and I've mentioned this on the show in the past, part of the... uh, the rituals, the, the like, uh, funerary rituals for uh, Hinduism, would, they would float bodies down the Ganges. And the sharks are just like, Pfft, buffet. Like, this is great. And to a shark. And there's a Fireside cartoon about this. And it shows like two, two alligators. And there's just like a bunch of clothes all around. them, like, oh, man, that was great. No horns, no claws, just soft and pink. And that's what's great. You know, for a shark, like, a shark can eat a person, and, like, they don't have to worry about really getting injured. They don't have to worry about them fighting back because people are not at home in the water, which is why they're easy to be picked off by these sharks. Right, but... They're not th- fast. They're not going to swim away like a seal.
1: No, but here's the thing. To a shark, human tastes disgusting. It's not
0: the taste. When a shark bites it's, into it's you... No, it's
1: not the taste. It's the fact that we don't have enough fat content.
0: Right, When they bite into you, they're basically... they're testing, but because they're so big and strong, and so much bigger than a person, when they bite you, they're trying to see what your fat content is. It's
1: just love bites.
0: Their um, sensory organ, they don't have fingers and hands to check, so their sensory organs are in their mouth, so when they bite you, they're trying to decide if it's worth exerting the energy to eat you, because if they eat a seal, they're going to be digesting that for quite some time, because seals are mostly blubber. So it takes longer to break down, and it's going to you know Me slowly... Too. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to slowly... They're going to slowly digest it, and it's going to give them uh, energy. Because, like Hooper says, all this thing does is eat and swim and make little sharks. They don't sleep, because they can't stop. If they stop, they die. They have to constantly be swimming with water. They swim with their mouth open to get the, the, the... The water, so they can siphon out the oxygen through their gills. They can't go backwards, which we do see in this movie. Uh, (laughs) And Alex, there is uh, an error that I I need to bring up with you, because I've already brought it up with ashes. And when they are investigating Ben Gardner's boat and Hooper Mm -hmm. pulls out the shark tooth, the point is up and the bottom part of the tooth is what's wedged in the wood. That's not what happened. Like the point, because the shark would bite into it, so the point would lodge into it. Right, the
4: right, yeah, that's a good point.
0: So, it's the only thing that really bugs me. That and the shark swimming backwards because they can't swim backwards.
4: But also, you can't shoot an oxygen tank and make it explode.
0: Yeah, but you know, again, there's some suspension of disbelief.
4: <laughs> no, definitely.
0: Yeah, because we, you know, we talked about that as well. Now, in in the, the book, you know, we see Quint almost get, uh, not in the book, in the movie, we see Quint almost have a reverence for this animal. You know, he shoots him with the barrel, and then he's trying to tire him out. And then, you know, he shoots him with a second barrel. Then he gets a third barrel in him. And, you know, Hooper even looks at him and goes, he goes, did you ever see one do this? And Quint's just like in awe. And I think that's kind of when he snaps. I don't know what you guys think, but I think that's when he snaps. When he's like, it's almost like he's dealing with a supernatural creature at this point. What do you think?
3: I'll let you uh, go first, that, Alex. No, I was gonna
4: say I feel like his his first breaking point is when he smashes the radio, which I think happens a little bit earlier than that, if if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um. But I never really thought about it in those terms. But it's a good point. Like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't refute that. Um, I think he see, he sees it as almost like, like a, like a mythical, mythological creature. Um, just in awe of its, of its power. But because of that, he only wants to stop it more. He becomes more obsessive.
0: Yeah, he thinks he's gonna take it home to his taxidermy man and give him. A <laughs> right.
4: heart attack. But like, yeah, even when he sees what he brought him
0: when the first time he sees a shark and who was like, Oh, that's a 20 footer. And he's like 25. 25, 25. Yeah. Like he's like, I think he's simultaneously like, Oh my God, this is going to make a huge trophy. And this is like, I think part of it is he wanted to either catch the shark or die trying because he knew that if he got this thing, like that's it. Like where's the next challenge? There's nothing else that is going to give him the same satisfaction. Like, this is his white whale.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think he looks at, at the shark with admiration.
0: To, like, I think he to sees himself in the shark
1: right and it's like you know this shark was presented to me as a challenge this shark wants to challenge me in a way I've never been challenged before it's like the
0: labors of Hercules
1: right and it's it's you know he he admires the shark for that he sees himself in the shark and wants to best himself he wants to be the best he has to be the best and you know I, I don't think he goes crazy I think oh, it's no, just,
0: he's he's insane He's insane at that point.
1: <laughs> but I mean like he's kind of insane. It, well, if you're going to put it that way, like he's kind of insane the entire
0: movie. No, no. See, see I'm with drinking I'm with, of
1: people's legs and stuff.
0: He, he was already hammered at that point. Like Robert Shaw was drunk at that point. <laughs> so I mean when they're when he's out there and he's like, "Yeah, I'll just go get this. I'll just go get the shark, no problem. It's no big deal." And then like he starts to get over he's like, "Oh, no, no. He when he's talking to Hooper and Brody i think he's really trying to convince himself oh no you know oh we already got a barrel in him so we'll you know he'll pop up he'll get tired we'll just get him and bring him in like he's trying to convince himself as much as the other two but i think his obsession was like okay well here's what's going to happen either i'm going to die or that shark's going to die either way i'm good with it and we see that especially towards the end when he's revving the engine and revving the engine and revving the engine. And, you know, he blows the engine out and the shark starts ripping everything apart. And then uh, it leaps up onto the onto the, uh, the deck of the boat and he starts sliding. And that's when Quint's like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. I thought this is what I wanted
1: but I mean Quint's death is so poetic though, because I mean he would not want to go any other way
0: uh, I think that's what he thought until he was staring at it. I think that's uh, staring
1: because, at it while being swallowed
0: no, as he's <laughs> sliding down the as he's sliding down the deck, he's grabbing and grasping for purchase anywhere he possibly can. He's trying to keep himself. Because as much as he admires this, as much as he loves this, he's just like, no, I thought this is what I wanted, but I don't. At least that's my interpretation. Because he tries like hell not to get eaten. When that thing snaps on his on his leg, and he's stabbing the shit out of it with the machete, and he's he's fighting for his life. Like he does not want to get eaten by the shark.
1: But his death is so it's, it's it's definitely a poetic. Great yes. death scene though. Like you you see the blood just come pouring out and you hear the bones crackling and crushing from the the, the strength of the shark's, you know, jaw.
0: Yeah, that, you know, that was <gasps> one of the things... Is
1: that why they call it Jaws?
0: <laughs> uh, one of the things we were talking about is, you know, when we were watching it uh, for preparation, is the sound effects were great as, like you hear the, the snapping and crunching of, you know, first his leg and then all his ribs as he kind of just gets squeezed and punctured and all his, like, viscera start bubbling up out of his mouth. And, like, that's it. He dies really quickly.
4: But then you just see his, like, limp body go into the water. And it's so it's, it's harrowing.
0: And then you see all the quint chunks a few seconds later yes. in the teeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have any flaws? Oh, get out of here. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought we were neighbors now.
1: So, Quint has some of the best lines in the film. And I was wondering if either of you had, like, a favorite line that Quint says.
0: I mean, discounting the USS Indianapolis speech, because I'm right there with you, Alex. That is one of the greatest monologues in the history of, of any medium. Um probably it's actually a clip we're going to play in a little while so I'm going to hold back and let people hear the clip. So I don't I don't want to say it cuz I <laughs> won't do it justice. Uh Alex, what about you?
4: Um uh That's tough. Uh cuz I I love the little the little nonsensical like phrases and songs that he says. Um Here's the film with bow legged women is probably my favorite, the the most oft-quoted of mine anyway. Um, like you said, barring the the Indianapolis speech, because that's that's a whole other level.
0: Not a bad record for this vicinity. See, that, that's mine. That's
1: mine. Here lies the body of Mary Lee. Died at the age of 103. For 15 years, she kept her virginity. Not a bad record for this vicinity. And it's just so funny because that's when they're loading off the boat.
0: And he's like just yelling random and phrases he's just to like, them.
1: It's kind of like his yo-ho. And Brody's wife is there and she overhears it and just kind of Gee, like... Jeep, you got your rubbers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I mentioned this. I was like, you know, for a long time, I didn't get why he thought that was so funny. <laughs> when I was a kid watching that, it's like, yeah, like, why wouldn't you bring your rubber boots? Like, you're going to be getting splashed and it's all wet in water. Like, you know, that makes sense.
1: I also love when they're on the boat. I think it's like the first day um, when he radios back to shore to Brody's wife.
0: Oh, I'm yeah. bringing him in for dinner. Over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everything's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move along.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad. So obviously we know that they went on to make more Jaws films. It's, it's its own franchise at this point. But I'm really glad that they killed the Quint character off in the first film. Because that's all you needed.
0: Yeah, like, with the way things get sequelized all the time, like, there's really no reason. Like, he would have been, like, it would have been like beating a dead horse. Like, he's too good to have in multiple films. Like, he needed to just be in this one. Like, I don't know what you think, Alex. Like, on the one hand, yes, it would be kind of cool to see Quint in a second movie, but we've tried seeing these... uh you know, them trying to not replace but like duplicate that
4: um, yes that, that's my thought exactly like I love the character would have been cool to see more of him but you know if if they convinced Robert Shaw to return for a sequel if if they didn't kill him off for whatever reason he would have been like a cameo where he would have just been like an exposition dump and they try, they would have tried to replicate you know the, the magic of the USS Indianapolis scene like you know that would have been the writer's first thing would be like oh we need to give him another like iconic monologue and it just would have been like I don't know fallen flat uh, so it's definitely uh quality over quantity um
0: You know what he would have been? And this it's another Steven Spielberg film. You know he would have been um I'm totally The color purple? No, no, I'm totally like <laughs> blanking. Um Sam Neill as Alan Grant bringing Alan Grant back in a later film to kind of try to recapture the magic. Exactly. Yes. That's what he would have been.
4: Exactly. Even, even Goldblum in the last uh, Jurassic Park or Jurassic world. Um, Or the second one. Yeah, yeah, that's true too.
0: It
1: just, yeah, it just, it wasn't necessary in those instances. And I feel like it it would have been unnecessary in this instance either. I, I feel like it would have, Almost like devalued the character a little bit.
0: Yeah, if if you you have an iconic character and you're trying to bring, unless he is the focal point, which he's not, like the it's the story of the Brodies with the exception. I mean, I know Michael was so uh, it was either Michael or Sean in the third one. I don't know. I that one I don't feel is even like canonical because it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Um, it's it's kind of like you know. Like, the Star Wars movies are, you know, there's other things going on. But it's about the Skywalkers. This is about Brody. I mean, why even? You know, it's like Rocky over and over again fighting different foes.
4: And it's it's interesting that Hooper survives. He dies yeah. in the book. Oh, um, yeah, he gets
0: wrecked in the book. Yeah.
4: Uh, but he just kind of pops up unscathed at the end of the movie. Hi, hey, I'm Richard kind of,
0: Dreyfuss.
4: <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't dislike it. Like, I'm, but I'm sure it was a like a studio note that was like, "This is pretty downbeat. We just saw a dude get eaten by a shark. Um, you know, maybe one other guy can survive." I mean,
0: it's really three characters and the shark. You know, so. Killing off one, prob- it, arguably the best character and the shark, you know, 50% survival rate's not bad. I mean, Spielberg had said, you know, after reading Benchley's book, um, that he was rooting for the shark. Because yeah. none of those characters were remotely the same, like... Hooper's, like, screwing around with Brody's wife. Well, and, and Robert Shaw
1: had read the book, and when Spielberg approached, approached him about playing Quint, he wanted nothing to do with it. He was like, yeah, I read that piece of shit, and I, I don't want any part of it. And, and Spielberg was like, no, we're, we're doing something different. Like, it's going to be the same premise a little bit, but we're, we're doing something different. So he really kind of had to be coaxed into the role, and actually, I think it was Shaw's wife at the time who convinced him to Mary Lee give. <laughs> 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 um, that was a, her, her last words at 103. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> to the
1: movie Quint uh, Shaw, Robert Shaw I, E. Quint.
0: I don't know if she would call him Robert Shaw. <laughs>
4: Bobby
0: Shaw. Yeah, yeah. it's informal. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Shaw was my father. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I can, I can see that. Like, you know, I mean, but I think that happens a lot. Like, someone's like, "Oh, I don't really understand this character, so I don't want to portray them in a movie." Like, was it Sean Connery turned down Gandalf? He's like, "Ah, oh, I don't like dragons." So like he turned and like they were like we'll give you fifty percent of whatever the movie makes. She's like, no. <laughs> and so Ian McKellen did it, and it was just like, she's like, I made millions. I mean, I don't know. If you're Sean Connery, do you really need it though? What is this, a wizard? No. <laughs> How many ladies do I snug? None. <laughs> this is bullshit. That is the worst Sean Connery ever. Yep. (laughs) Just saying, I'm well aware.
4: (laughs) Can we get Ashes to do Robert Shaw again? That was more accurate.
0: (laughs) Oh, look at me. I'm Robert Shaw. I am. (laughs) didn't
1: sound like that.
4: Uh,
0: Yeah, so overall, Alex, you know, tell us about your feelings. Just like. Not just God. for Quint.
1: Just in general. How, how like, are you Quint, doing, Quint? Alex? Tell us about your feelings.
0: Is that foot <laughs> thing better? Uh, like, about the lactation qu- helps. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I've changed the name of the uh, episode, by the way. I think it's going to be Lactating Horror Fan.
3: Oh, my <laughs> God.
4: I'll uh, sign up for the URL before that happens so no one beats me to it. <laughs>
0: But yeah, the, uh, the just like how Quint interacts with everyone in general, like what is your, like you know, put on your your psychiatrist hat and like <laughs> tell us a little bit about who Quint is, you know, because you're you write as well, so you know who who's your, uh, not who like what's your assessment of of Quint?
4: Um, I, I think we touched on on all the major points. Um, Across the episode, he's kind of, at first glance, he's just this, you know, grizzled, old, drunken sailor, and, like, he's an amazing portrayal at that. But the more time you spend with him, up through the the Indianapolis monologue, you realize, oh, there's a lot more to this guy than that. And then you, once that point hits, I mean, the movie in general, not just the character, but, I mean, everything goes to 100 at that point. And then you get the... The, it's almost like mania, I guess you could call it um, because he's it's it's deeper than obsession because he's also kind of kind of gleeful about everything that's happening
0: mm.
4: um, and he, he just I don't know I mean he almost fearlessly stares death in the face until it's it's close enough to kill him and then that's when you see that fear uh, and I think that kind of makes him more human like you said you could argue that he's kind of the bad guy uh, but I mean any villain, Uh, what makes a good villain is that the villain thinks that they're doing right. They don't think they're the bad guy. They think they're the good guy. Um, And that's, that's Quinn to a T. Yeah.
0: Before he was just Quinn.
4: (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) So,
0: you know, when I, when I look at this character, I, you know, it's almost like, you know, we, we get to see him as, you know, how he presents himself to the town, but as he, you know, embarks on this journey with these two other characters, you know, Hooper and and Brody, it almost is like, you know, they're in the, you know, he's he's very gruff and he's very stern with them the whole time, and then they're they're having dinner. It's after dinner. They're they're drinking. And they're comparing scars. They're just you know talking and having a good time, and he, it's almost like he lets his guard down and shows his vulnerability. To show these guys, like, hey, you know, I'm not really just an asshole. Like, I'm not asking you to like me, but I feel like it's important for you to know this about me.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And you can see that. Like, it's played so well because Hooper notices the tattoo and you can see, you can see Quint's kind of reservation. Like, you know, do I want to to open this Pandora's box kind of thing? And then, you know, ultimately, obviously, he does. And then... The yeah, room just kind of quiets for his speech.
0: Yeah, because Brody's like, oh, what? You know, what's that? And he's like, oh, I had a tattoo removed. And Hooper's like, let me guess, mother, and starts laughing. He goes, no, that's yeah, the yeah. USS Indianapolis. And then and that sobers him mm-hmm. up. And he's like, yes, you were exactly. on the Indy. And Brody is completely ignorant. Like, what are you talking about? Like, Brody is the real, you know, because I like puns, fish out of water in this situation. Like, he's out of his element. He's only there because he believes it's his duty as the the chief of police.
4: And even being in Amity, he's out of his element.
0: Yes, because he's used to being in New York. Yeah. And, you know, he's just... He's trying to do his best, and I think, you know, that's where he becomes, you know, really the hero, because he... Out of everyone, you don't expect... Brody to strike the killing blow against the shark.
4: Right,
3: yeah.
0: I mean, he's at least a likable character. One of the things that always bothered me, though, was Alex Kittner's mom slaps Brody. He's 300 years old. Well, that. (laughs) I mean, hey, good for her if she can still get at it. Uh, (laughs) She smacks Brody across the face. I heard you knew about this and you wanted to... You refused to close the beach. I'd have been like, listen, I wanted to. but <laughs> fucking anchor suit over here wouldn't let me do it.
4: <laughs> I will say, though, the, I mean, the, the film streamlines a lot from the novel and eliminates yeah. a lot of, like, subplots. And the book does explain that the mayor was, like, pressured by the mafia to keep the beaches open.
0: Because he took a lot of money from them. <laughs> yes, yes.
4: Yeah. I mean, he's still he's still an unlikable scumbag, but at least he has a reason for keeping the beaches open. And this one, he's just like, yeah, no, let's just keep them open. Like, it probably won't happen again.
0: No, uh, it's uh pretty sure a propeller did that and it's like I'd like to see the remains of the boating accident and the guy like <laughs> puts down a Tupperware container. And it's like where's the body? Oh yeah, it's right here. It's like it can fit in this little wash tub? Like I wouldn't soak my feet in this and this is the remains of a victim? So like that was always like this was no boating accident. <laughs> Have you notified the Coast Guard? And again, you know, Brody's getting bullied around. He gets bullied throughout the entire movie. Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead I can come down here and chum some of this shit. <laughs> and then he sees the shark and just like moonwalks into the cabin. Is like, you're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Ow!
1: <laughs> I, I don't think it happened. That's how I remember it. Like
0: I remember him moonwalking. He's like, Quint, Shimona. You're going to need a big <laughs> boat, uh. <laughs> da. My recollection might be, might be um, off. I'm a little sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, this is a pretty good conversation. We could probably go for another few hours, but uh, let's not. Because um, I know we have to go to bed. I know, Alex, uh, you're going to be up early, which is why you chose to Skype in instead of coming in, because you have a hell of a ride. So I don't blame you. Uh, I was going to Skype in because it's long from here, too, but, you know, <laughs> I decided to, to make the trek down to the studio. Uh, so, Alex, up to you if you want to stick around with us for, you know, uh, another 10, 15 minutes while we wrap up the show, or you can uh, you can bounce out now before we go to break.
4: Yeah, I'll hang out if if, we're, All right, if you're cool. not sick of me yet.
0: No, absolutely not. So what we'll do, we'll get your, uh, you know, social media stuff after after the break so we'll uh we'll wrap this up we'll take a quick break and when we come back we'll uh we'll talk to alex a little more and uh we'll give you some science some wine and a new battle so we'll be right back
3: hello this is the sasquatch aka bigfoot
1: but you can just call me frank and when i'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters i like to listen to the paranormal punchers podcast that's right paranormal punchers They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunches.com. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hey, comic book fans, are you looking for a Comic Con that has nothing but comic books? Well, there's only one place for you to go, and that'll be Terrific Con, Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con, happening at the Mohegan Sun Expo Center this August 9th through the 11th. Join us at Terrific Con, where you'll see nothing but comic book artists and writers, plus stars from your favorite comic book movies. And TV shows. That's terrific! Con. Connecticut's terrific Comic Con. Nothing but comic books everywhere you look. For more information, go to
3: terrificcon.com.
0: Sample bottles, dye markers,
3: flares, safety floats, temperature gauge, spear guns, SMG.
2: What are you, so kind of half ass astronaut? <laughs> Take that junk out of yourself, Below, and you lash it secure, You're right. you right, Captain me. Jesus H Christ. When I was a boy, every little squid wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. What do you got here? Portable shark or a monkey cage? Anti-shark cage. Anti-shark cage. You go inside the cage. Cage goes in the water. You go in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. Farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston, and so never more shall we see
3: you again. <laughs>
0: That is my favorite Jaws moment, moment for Quint. That's the best speech other than obviously the Indianapolis. Uh, so, Alex, I'm glad we uh, we had you on for that because I, I wanted you to hear that. Oh, <laughs> are, you, are you there now, Alex?
4: Yes, was I not before?
0: uh, yeah, Wolfie when we go to break, Wolfie mutes everybody's mic and he, gotcha. was, he was trying to keep an eye on the the YouTube clip, <laughs> but yeah, that's well, I am
4: happy I got to hear that as well, yeah, that's
0: it's such a great one I hear some kind of half ass astronaut. would that be a an astro or a not? No, all right, so uh um, just to- I don't know. I don't
4: know.
1: Dead air is great yeah. for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was,
4: this really just, is special, guys. I was, I was,
0: I was, uh, I was gesturing at, at at Alex, but he can't see me since we don't have a video feed, uh, <laughs> so it didn't didn't work as well as I had planned. Um, but no, I thought that was a pretty good conversation. Like I said, we could go for a long time on this, but
1: you just love talking about sharks.
0: I do. I love talking about Jaws. I love talking about sharks. I love. You know, and speaking of
1: sharks. We have a new battle.
0: We do have a new battle. So, uh, Wolfie, can we have the battle theme, please? (laughs) So what do we got?
1: So this week... Our battle is called the Shark Attack Battle. We want to know which movie has the best shark attack scenes. You can choose from Sharknado, Deep Blue Sea, Jaws, or the 1966 Batman.
0: Yep. There's just one scene from that one, but it is Hand a classic. me
1: down the shark <laughs> yeah. repellent bat spray.
0: And the best part about that scene is... He has to choose because there's shark, whale, barracuda, and manta ray spray.
1: And that's not even the best part. The shark explodes.
0: Yes. After it hits the water. When it hits the water. Because the Joker put a a projection on the water that there was a sinking ship. And when Batman went to land on the deck, he actually landed in the water and the shark grabbed his leg. So those are your choices. I know what I'm going to choose, uh but I'm going to wait till uh we post this to to choose cuz I don't want to influence anyone.
1: And feel free to uh mention any honorable mentions in the comments.
0: Yeah, if you have if there, maybe there's one that we didn't do like maybe James Franciscus's death in The Last Shark. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get to talk about it. he he was a was, uh, a ripoff of Quint because I was essentially just the Italian version of jaws. It was like a shot for shot ripoff with an even less realistic looking shark. (laughs) At least with jaws, you, you, they interspliced some actual, uh, actual shark footage, you know, in that, in that film, it wasn't all just Bruce, the mechanical shark. So Alex, where can folks find you? And, uh, all the stuff you do all those swell content. his house and uh <laughs> where do you want people to find you <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh Unmarked I want people to find me <laughs> every time they close their eyes on the face of every child <laughs> <laughs> um but digitally you can find me um brocarfan.com is the website um at brocarfan on twitter facebook and instagram those are mostly the the site's feed, although I use Instagram for some personal stuff, too. Very personal. At Alex's Legend. Yes, very personal. <laughs> At Alex's Legend on Twitter is my personal Twitter. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, WitterEntertainment.com is where you can buy our VHS tapes. But if you can't remember that, if you go to the Broke Horror fan site, there's a button for it.
0: What about your uh, your short films that you put out, like, say, The Misplaced?
4: Oh, that is a wonderful segue. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that. Uh, I also make movies sometimes, guys. Um, if you look up Lockbridge Productions, we don't really update the Facebook very much these days because Facebook's algorithm sucks, so nobody sees it anyway. But if you find our YouTube page, you can see like I don't know five or six shorts that I've directed. Um, the latest is called "The Misplaced." If you don't wanna, if you can't find the the channel, if you search like "The Misplaced Horror Short Film." On YouTube, you'll be able to watch it there. It's only four minutes. That's my latest, uh, at least the latest thing that's out there. Um, always working on new stuff. Um, any local people who are into film, please feel free to reach out. Loves to work on other people's stuff as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I even wrote a. Uh, I, I liked the misplaced so much that I wrote a, uh, an article about it.
4: That's right. And a I was, glowing review.
0: Yes, especially for the. Uh, Behind the scenes stuff like the boom mic operators—not
4: <laughs> the best boom mic operating I've had, but I mean, but you know, you sometimes you gotta labor. talk
0: about like you know maybe in my next in my next article about one of your shorts, I, I I'll talk about the gaffer or the best boy.
4: <laughs> Brandon is the best boy. So <laughs> well, <that's... laughs>
0: before we before we let you go because we do have science and wine to do. I would like there was a specific experience that you had that we were witness to at Scaracon oh no, and it was uh you were rebuffed by Billy <laughs> Zane
4: oh this is my u s s Indianapolis moment
0: yeah <laughs> so tell the folks at home why Billy Zane would not let you take his picture
4: <laughs> uh, because, because he's an asshole. Uh, I didn't. Uh, but for some context um so I was there covering the event for brokar fan um you know had my camera on me all weekend it's a i mean it's a seventy it's a digital s l r so it's a it's like a big looking camera intimidating camera i guess um but you guys had the booth right across from the the photo op booth mm-hmm which was awesome, and I hung out with you guys most of the weekend. So we got to see a lot of the celebrities come through and all the people that came through with them. So I got some photos of some of the celebrities doing their their photo ops or whatever. And at one point, I don't even think it was for a photo op. They just happened to be there. But Billy Zane was posing for a picture with, and I'm sorry, I don't remember his actual name, Terry Kaiser. I do remember. Weekend of Ernie's and Friday the 13th Um. So they were posing for a a picture, and I kind of just like snuck up next to the photographer and was like, going to take a similar picture from you know a side angle and before the picture could be snapped billy zane looked me dead in the eyes pointed at me like thousand yard stare even though i was only five feet away and was like no like scolded me like i was a bad dog and then just like pretended like he didn't do anything i turned very red so i'm told and just like walked with my tails between my legs back to your booth and billy zane took his fucking picture with bernie
0: yeah, it was uh, it was very akin to like Dikembe Motombo after he blocked a shot. He just wagged his <laughs> fingers like no, 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 not today. Yes,
4: yes he did. Oh, there was a finger wag. You're right. Yes,
0: there definitely. I remember the finger wag.
4: <laughs> but
0: I I had uh, when I did my post on the on the website, I had mentioned. Your interaction with Billy Zane And I, I had to make sure that I got it on the show
3: Yeah,
4: no, good call, good call I will, For the record, um, I mean, I shouldn't say he's an asshole Although I did read other people Said they didn't have pleasant interactions with him all weekend But for the record, I was there for media Had a media pass, had permission to take photos at the event I wasn't, like, trying to steal a photo with him right. It was just a photo of him um, I think it may have so just boiled down seen. to
0: He didn't know who you were He, he wasn't familiar with you You know, and you know, I, I can understand, you know. I
1: mean, or he could just very well be
0: an asshole. But I don't well, but we don't know him, so we don't.
4: Right. Uh yeah, but at the same time, same I thing. mean, who am I to say I'm not Billy Zane famous? Uh, right. But like yet. Yet, yet. I'm getting there. Not at this rate, but uh he, like I could understand if I tried to like steal a selfie with him or something, but this is a picture of him. Like what? I don't know. What's the worst I could do with it? It's not like I was Getting out of paying for a picture with him, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can see both sides of it, but you know, again, you know, maybe if you if you you know get a chance to talk to him at another time, you know, maybe he's Just like, show,
1: like flash your media credentials, be like, "Hello, sir, I am the media. <laughs> I am me. with the media. I
0: am Alexis Legend." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be your drag name. Oh, yes, that would definitely be your that would definitely be your uh, your drag name
4: i will keep that in mind should i go that <laughs> route uh but i still love uh and in the crib demon night so billy zane's cool in my book
0: all right so i think what we'll do uh we do have uh science and wine to get to uh Alex, if you want to stick around for science and wine you can uh, do our outro with us
4: you know what? why not i don't know much about either of those topics but i will listen in the background
0: all right so uh let's do some science From the
2: blackness of space, timeless from the void. You, terrified to
0: learn of Patsy's science facts. So, this week's science fact is a little thing that I found out about uh, last night. And I immediately had to share... uh, Wolfie, you may have seen this because I shared this with... uh, a, uh, a mutual vegan friend that we have. And uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see this. But there was a, uh, a gentleman who was trying to put out uh, a type of tofu called Hufu, which has as the closest approximation that he could get to the taste and texture of human flesh. So it's for people who don't want to eat meat but are curious as to what human flesh tastes like. Or just want to know what human flesh tastes like without actually eating a person or okay, I don't know if you got a chance like to see that
1: vegan sharks
0: yeah the seaweed shark Wolfie did you see that I no? did not but um, what what are what are your thoughts on that you know as someone who does not partake of meat or animal products uh,
2: vegan human flesh
0: yeah it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen
2: well i I guess if you know if you just have a craving for flesh and, and, and you know you want to be humane about it, sure, go for it
0: i mean i can i can
2: but is it you know like I, if i eat if I eat another human, I want to gain their powers so
0: well, this is for people who you know don't want the guilt, <laughs> and you know what if you don't gain their powers? For, what for if the cannibal with weaknesses? morals <laughs> so it's interesting how he uh was able to come up with the flavoring and the texturing like he did a well, I, it probably had to uh, you know test
2: extensively
0: oh yeah you know you know it's like oh there's veal oh that's little kids it's like you know we had this conversation with uh bill and kyle from survival of the film freaks but this is before we knew about hufu so i guess what he did was he did extensive research on you know accounts of cannibals you know, I don't know if he actually interviewed anyone who is currently incarcerated for cannibalism. I imagine that would be a, a pretty interesting conversation.
1: Did he talk to Hannibal Lecter?
0: Uh, no, he's not real. What you mean he's not real? He's uh, I'll, I'll explain to you TV and and movies off air.
1: Are you gonna tell me Santa's not real either?
0: No, well, he did get the Infinity Gauntlet at one point, but that's a different thing. But yeah, Hufu is a uh, I I I don't know if it is currently available
1: is it really called hufu
0: yes like instead of tofu hufu h-u-f-u
1: yeah f-u too, buddy.
0: <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's interesting and i just think the the concept is fascinating
1: i mean like it's it's definitely intriguing but my my question is why just, just why 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 is there a need for for that like why would you even think of coming up with that kind of concept
0: curiosity ask me how it is
1: how is it patrick
0: Va- it varies from person to person <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a do you have a uh, a wine fact today.
1: I have I have a beverage. Oh,
0: a beverage fact. That's right. You we talked about this off air. Wolfie, can we have some Von Nightmare Vineyard music, please? <laughs>
1: No, i don't always drink wine what i i mostly i'm like you know how boulder dash well you know like humans are like 80 percent water
0: oh Um, i thought you were gonna say you were here like 80 80 percent
1: wine (laughs) but i am type
0: is merlot
1: it really is i'm a merlot negative Um, but anyways Uh, I enjoy other beverages as well. I also enjoy other non-alcoholic beverages like tea and coffee. I love coffee. I drink coffee until it is a time that is relatively appropriate to consume alcohol. So I would like to today talk to you about coffee, particularly Deadly Grounds coffee. Now, we're not going to endorse anything that we don't like ourselves and... I recently tried uh, they were at Scarecon actually. We bought 3 bags. And we bought 3 bags of Deadly Grounds coffee and oh my goodness, it is so freaking good. Like I usually don't like flavored coffees. Uh, the the taste is is I don't know, it kind of has this like fake, filmy taste. It in my opinion, like it's just it's off and I don't I don't like it. But we picked up the toasted almond the chocolate cherry and my favorite witch's brew which is like a chocolate raspberry and it is so freaking good i I can't even put it into words how good this coffee is so if you are interested definitely check check out deadly grounds their coffee is amazing um if you want to get deadly while you drink your coffee in the morning you know um yeah it's just it's just really good i love drinking my Witches Brew from my witchy coffee mug, and it just makes me feel all witchy in the morning and ready to take on the day.
0: Yeah, it's great stuff. I, I like the uh, the toasted almond, but there's so many different flavors I mean, that and, we have to try.
1: You know, because we bought from them, like, in person, we were able to actually sample some of their... their
0: the blueberry stuff. Oh, my God. And that was
1: good. And their Hell's Fury, which is, like, their super, like, dark roast blend. Hell's that was, Fury. Yeah. that is that is that what I said?
0: That... I don't... I just heard you say dark roast blend. Wolfie had a picture of a capybara on his on his computer, and I, I saw that. I love capybara. It's a capybara and like surrounded by ducks. <laughs> it's just ducks swarming around a capybara, wow, and that kind of dragged my really attention.
3: We're on radio right
1: now. <laughs> capybaras.
0: It's not my fault. I just I saw that, and ADD, I'm sorry, ladies that and just, gentlemen. You're gonna tell me that if you saw a capybara being swarmed by friendly ducks. And they're just, like, walking on them and playing around them. Like, you're not going to be like, hmm, that warrants a, a moment of my time.
1: How do you know that's not the duck mob?
0: You don't know. They, and, like,
1: they're, they're they're taking out a hit on the capybara.
0: Oh, they're doing it very politely. <laughs> they're just kind of milling about.
1: But anyways, Deadly Grounds Coffee, definitely check it out. You can order online. They go to many conventions all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah. Check it out. It's really good.
0: Yeah, it, excellent stuff. And they, uh, when you go to their booth, they have these big wooden coffins. Mm. That, that's where they store all their stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I, want, I want those for my house.
0: We do need new shelves. So,
1: so I think that just about wraps it up.
0: I do. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you for uh, joining us and uh, dropping some Quint
4: knowledge on us. Thank you guys for having me. I'd love to come back soon.
0: Yeah, we'd love
1: to yeah, have you. See, I, I hear we need to do a Jason Voorhees episode. We talked about that. I last
4: I mean, the week. people are demanding it.
0: We <laughs> talked about that last week, and I was like, you know, let's pump the brakes on this a little bit first. You know, let's see how he does with Quinn. You know,
4: let's not just <laughs> sure, yeah. This is our first date. I think it went well. I would, I would sleep with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely ten I, out I, of ten would date
1: again. I yeah. felt the
0: sparks. <laughs> I, I. I'd take you to to Wendy's and get you a junior bacon cheeseburger. You have to listen to last week's episode to get that reference.
1: <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> thank you, Alex, for joining us. We appreciate it. And if anyone is interested, definitely check out BrokeHorrorFan.com. We
0: will definitely be posting it's, links. It's on a, the a website great site, and, in the and group.
1: you know Alex does great stuff with broke horror fans.
0: Yes. I've actually won a contest, and uh, Spicy Kristen won a contest too. She got to go see uh, the the Tolkien movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I think with that being, I was said, gonna say,
1: you're gonna wrap it up, buddy. <laughs>
0: All right, Alex, you gonna you gonna join in on this?
4: Uh, no, I don't think I'm. Gonna. Okay.
0: So, with that being said, we will <laughs> see, you see you next Thursday. Thursday.
1: Show me the way to go
3: home. I'm tired.